Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you're doing well this morning. Um, I don't know uh, about you, but uh, I've had a chaotic week. How many of you have had a chaotic week? All right. You know what I think we should do? I think we should go to God and uh, ask Him to give us peace over the next half an hour. How about that? Does that sound like a good plan? Let's do that as we uh, begin our study in Galatians 5. Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for what you've done for us. God, I thank you that you redeemed us with the blood of your son, Jesus. And God, because you sent him to the cross to die a brutal death and to go into a grave and three days later be risen again to heaven with you, we can have life with you eternal. And Father, we're so grateful and we're so thankful for that. And for those of us who are in here who have had quite a chaotic week, God, the ups and downs of life, God, I pray that you would just give us peace. Father, that you would lead us into your word and that your Holy Spirit would change us from the inside out. Pierce our hearts, God, as we continue this series called The Sweet Life, as we study the fruit of the Spirit, God, I pray that you would change us and that you would pierce our hearts, pierce our lives, God, search as David prayed and find any wicked way within us. And may we leave this room changed people, people who truly want to be like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, and we are kind of rounding the bend in this journey of what we've called the sweet life. And the sweet life is really, we've kind of termed it that here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, but um, really what that is, is it's life lived according to the fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul spoke of there in Galatians chapter 5. And it's very interesting because the Apostle Paul, what he does is he, he, takes a, he has a, a, some, some verses there in chapter 5 where he explains to the Christ follower what life uh, lived not with the Spirit is like. And then he contrasts that with what it means to live a life according to the Holy Spirit. God's best for our lives. And so that's when he goes in and he talks about these different things. And so we've covered the first seven, and today we come to number eight. Well, uh, we've had love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. We talked about those together because they're so similar. Last week we talked about faith, uh, faithfulness, and then next week we'll talk about self-control. And I'm sure nobody will be here next week because I mentioned that. But today we come to this idea of being gentle. I don't know about you, I'm not sure that I've ever heard a message on gentleness. It's just not something that you hear pastors talk a lot about. It's, very, it's something that is, is really unfamiliar to us, really even in the Christian culture. But I want you to capture this. The idea of gentleness would have been extraordinarily unfamiliar to the people that Paul was originally writing to. He was writing to a group of Christ followers that lived in a region called Galatia. And Galatia is situated in what we now call northern Turkey, kind of that area of northern Turkey. And Galatia was a very interesting place. The people that came from Galatia were interesting people. In fact, they were part of the Celtic people, the Gaul people, and most of them were illiterate. Their main occupation was is that they were warriors. 
These were people who fought all the time. They went to battle all the time. They lived tribal lives, and they would have fought within each other, one tribe fighting against the other. And this area of Galatian was a mountainous and a cavernous kind of terrain. The wildlife would have been fierce in this area. This is an area of that day and age that you did not want to be lost in. You did not want to find yourself lost in this area called Galatia. But as was happening in the first century, God's hand was moving all over the, the known world at that time, all over the Roman Empire, so much so that even in this little region called Galatia, churches were springing up. Usually they were smaller churches, but they were springing up all over the place. And Paul is writing to them. And as difficult as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness were for these people, gentleness would have been the toughest thing probably for these people of Galatia. They wouldn't have even understood exactly what Paul was talking about. This, I want you to hear this, this was a tall order. This was a huge tall order that Paul was telling them on behalf of God that gentleness is part of the sweet life. Gentleness was part of living the life according to God's Holy Spirit. This was God's best for them, was being gentle. So if we dive into this today, and you're like, man, this doesn't make any sense. I don't even, I don't even want to hear this about gentleness. You're in good company, because even the people that Paul was originally writing to would have struggled with this idea of gentleness. Gentleness does not come easy, and perhaps we might even be shocked that it's in there, but it's in there. I want you to read Galatians 5, as we've done each week, 22 and 23 with me this morning. You ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Next week, we'll do it without the verse on the screen. How about that? little quiz, all right? We'll all do that together without the verse on the screen. And, and maybe gentleness is one of those things that you don't think that you can accomplish. Maybe it's one of those things that you don't think that really you can have. Well, let me define gentleness and then I want to take a look at what the Bible says about gentleness and how we can become people that are more gentle. Now, the word that Paul used in the original language was a word that wasn't used much in the first century. It just wasn't used that much in the first century. The whole idea of gentleness uh, wasn't communicated that often in the first century. It was a word that was actually rarely used. And the closest word that it resembles is a word that we know of today that's called humble. And so hum humility and gentleness are tied together. Those two concepts are tied together. If you take a look at a, a definition, the New Bible Dictionary in part describes gentleness this way. It expressed the typical condescension of the divine judge whose refusal to exact the full demands of the law lifts up those, I want you to capture that, lifts up those who would otherwise be crushed under the condemnation of the law. It lifts up those who would have otherwise been crushed under the condemnation of the law. It sounds a bit like a word that we talk a lot about in church today, and that's what? Grace. It sounds a lot like grace, and in fact, the two ideas are interrelated. They can be compared. In fact, they're very similar 
ideas. But gentleness is a little bit different in this. That gentleness is one of those concepts, it's one of those things that we can be active in in our lives if we choose to live that sweet life according to the Spirit. It's an active concept. It's an active word. It's something that should call us to do something. And that's our key point this morning. You can take a look at your notes. An active ingredient of the sweet life is using gentleness in the, in the way that we interact with other people. An active ingredient in the sweet life is using gentleness in the way that we interact with other people. You see, not all of these fruit of the Spirit are actually active things, but this one is an active characteristic. It's something that we must do and we must push forward and be intentional about doing. Gentleness is something that we must be intentional about perceiving or, or doing for our other people, the other people in our lives. And sometimes gentleness and meekness get confused, but they're completely different concepts. The Bible talks a lot about the meekness of Jesus, but meek and gentle are two ter uh, terribly different things. Meekness is a passive trait. Meekness is a passive trait. It's, it's not weak, but it's passive, and it gives the connotation of being quiet, possibly even silent, and the actual original definition of meekness is lowly. It's lowly. Gentleness is a whole other concept altogether. Gentleness is an active trait. I want you to catch this, though, and it's up on the screen this morning. Gentleness never equals weakness. Gentleness never equals weakness. You might think, when you think of the word gentle, you think of something weak. That's not true. It's completely the opposite. It's completely the opposite of weak. In fact, gentleness, to be gentle according to what Paul's talking about and according to what the Scripture's talking about, actually demands a large amount of strength. Uh, most of you know that I am an avid golfer. I didn't say I was a good golfer, but I'm an avid golfer, and I, I love the game of golf. I, I was kind of you know, selfishly excited to move to Hilton Head for that reason uh, five years ago. And, um, but when I watch professional golfers hit a golf shot, you know what I'm surprised by? How slow their swing is. How, quite honestly, soft their swing is. And the thing that I'm surprised by is how far the ball goes as a result of that slow and soft swing. Gentleness does not equal weakness. And so guys, especially who are here today, being gentle to those around you is not a weak position. In fact, it demands a tremendous amount of strength. Jesus was so often described in some sort of way as being gentle. He either talked about being gentle or he himself was described as being gentle. And actually, Paul's definition that he uses there of gentleness is actually very much related to a word that we'll find out in a few minutes that Jesus actually used. And we'll take a look at that here in a few minutes. Take a look at your notes this morning. Jesus was gentle, and that leads me to the first point, that the active ingredient in gentleness includes understanding and modeling Jesus' interactions with other people. It means understanding and modeling Jesus' interactions with other people. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been one common theme throughout these fruit of the Spirit. And that is, is that God himself, or his son Jesus, exemplifies these characteristics in their own life. In who they are. In their character. 
in who they are and how they incorporate and are involved with us as human beings. And gentleness is no different. Gentleness is the same thing. Jesus himself was gentle, and so to have that active ingredient of gentleness, we've got to understand and we've got to model Jesus' interactions with other people. I mean, Jesus was always gentle, sometimes in the face of situations where he didn't really have to be gentle. There was the woman at the well. There was the woman who was caught in adultery, caught in adultery. He was gentle with his disciples when they were off base. He was gentle with those who were accusing him, wasn't he? He was gentle with his mother. He asked John, the, the disciple, his closest disciple, to take care of his mother. He was disciple with those who were close to him, and he was gentle with those who were even not in his inner circle. The prophet Isaiah, all the way back in the Old Testament, before Jesus, Jesus even came onto the scene, he described what the Messiah would be like, and Matthew conveys this idea. Take a look at what Isaiah described that Jesus would be like and how he actually ended up being in Matthew 12, 15 through 21. Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him. Jesus was trying to get away from something that was happening, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. I want you to notice how Jesus' gentleness here is active as I read this. He warned them not to tell others about him. I kind of get the feeling he wanted a break here. You know, he was healing so many people. He just wanted some time there. This was to fulfill, though, what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Look at verse 18. Here is my servant who I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. You see, Jesus used this whole idea of being gentle to heal the sick. He was always on mission for God, and he was always putting his interests below the interests of other people. And that's the model that we should follow Here's another thing about Jesus that's really interesting. Jesus always used a great balance of grace and truth. John, in the first chapter of John, describes this. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It, it says this in John 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, and I want you to say it with me, full of grace and and truth. The Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. That meant that he had a complete balance of grace and truth when he dealt with other people. Wow, I wish I could do that. I don't know about you. Because so many times I'm too much on the grace side, and sometimes I'm way too much on the truth side. I don't know about you. I have a hard time getting that balance right. But Jesus have that balance right. And we see that most evident in the way he dealt with conflict, the way he dealt with other people. It's usually a confrontation or conflict that gives us in our lives the greatest opportunity to be gentle and to use this idea of being full of both grace and truth. 
And while there are some of you who are here today that probably need to have a little bit of truth to balance how graceful you are with other people, and that's a message for another day, I would imagine that there are just as many of you in here who need a little grace to balance your truth. Are you with me this morning? Jesus gave us the best example of how to approach people, of how to be totally gentle and full of grace. We who are Christ followers must do our best to become more like Christ in this area. And Paul actually says that in 2 Corinthians 10. Take a look what he says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who who am timid when face-to-face with you, but bold toward you when you're away. I get the idea here that you know, when Paul was face-to-face with them, he used a lot of grace, but when he wrote to them, and he's actually writing to the church at Corinth that had numerous problems, when he was away from them, he would write a lot of truth, and he would call them on the carpet on things that they were doing. Well, this is really not as much about Paul's gentleness as it is about Jesus, that we are to be like Jesus and be completely gentle. Matthew Henry is one of my favorite commentators, and he has long uh, passed on from this world, but he writes this about Jesus' gentleness. I want you to hear how he describes Jesus' gentleness and how we can connect with it. He says this, when we find ourselves tempted or inclined to be rough and severe towards anybody, we should think, please catch this, of the meekness and the gentleness of Christ that appeared in him in the flesh while he was here on earth. In the design of his undertaking and in all the acts of his grace towards poor souls. Jesus gave us the best example of how to live with gentleness. He gave us the best example of how to be gentle. And so here's my challenge on this point this morning. If you're a Christ follower and you're here today and maybe you've been a Christ follower for a week or maybe you've been a Christ follower for for decades We have to continually, please don't miss this, we have to continually be searching the scripture. We have to continually be on our knees, talking to God, communicating with him in prayer to try to become more like Christ. We've got to become more like Christ. The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians talks about this. He says this about the gentleness of Christ, and this is from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. I'm using this passage twice in this message. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He what? Humbled himself. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so that's why we should be gentle, is because Jesus was gentle. We should follow his lead. We should walk in the example that he set in terms of gentleness. But how, then, do we become gentle? How do we reflect this particular characteristic? Take a look at these next couple points. The active ingredient of gentleness includes creating an environment of care and understanding when other people are in our presence. Wow, Todd, that sounds really wimpy and sissy. Okay, come on, man. Really? Care and understanding? Man, come on. It takes a tremendous amount of strength to do what we're about to talk about 
There's an interesting passage of Scripture in Matthew 11, and it's a Probably a pretty familiar passage for some of you, maybe not for others. But it's, a, it's an example of Jesus being gentle. And I want you to catch this one word that Jesus used. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. I love this. Come to me. Maybe some of you need to hear this passage today. Come to me, Jesus says. All of you who are weary and burdened. Those of you who raised your hand like me this morning. It's been a chaotic week. You're weary and burdened. I am. Come to me, he says, and I will give you What's the word? Rest. I will give you rest. How many of you need rest this morning? I do. I do. Jesus says, I will give you rest. The word that he used in this instance is loosely tied to the word we're talking about today, gentleness. Jesus says, I will give you rest. So you know what we should do in response? is we should give others rest when they come into our presence, shouldn't we? We should give them rest, gentleness. We should give them rest. How do we do that? Well, I've found three different principles that I believe are rooted in Scripture on how we can give people rest, how we can be gentle with people when they come into our presence. The first one is this. Have a posture of acceptance. Have a posture of acceptance. Paul says to the church in in Rome, In Romans 15, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That means don't get puffed up by what you do. Verse 2, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Paul is saying the people that you come in contact with, your neighbors, you need to put your needs aside and be accepting of what they're going through. Now, some of you are like, Todd, you don't know my neighbor You don't know my neighbor. My neighbor's obnoxious. He never does his yard. He puts his trash on the curb, not in the nice little bin, you know, the little garbage can. My neighbor is obnoxious. Well, Paul here is telling the church in Rome that we should put down our needs even for those people who are unlovely in our lives. And we should accept them. We need to have a posture of acceptance He's saying that we should please and build up them even when they are annoying. And by the way, he's not just talking about neighbors like the people who live next to you. He's talking about all the people that we come in contact with, that we should put our needs below theirs. And so when we interact with people, we take a posture of acceptance. Secondly, creating an environment of care and understanding includes having a position of humility. A position of humility. I've chosen all of these passages from the Apostle Paul, and this one's from Philippians 2, the same uh, uh, passage that we were in just a few moments ago. Now, Paul was a humble man, but there was a period of time in his life before he became a Christ follower that he was anything but humble. In fact, he was incredibly prideful. So if there's anybody in the world in that day and age that could talk about uh, moving from a place of pride to a place of humility, it was the Apostle Paul. And he says this in Philippians 2, 3 through 5, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for you out for your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same what? Mindset as Christ have the same mindset of Christ, a position of humility, 
a posture of acceptance, a position of humility, and finally, a perspective of grace. Now, this one may be a little bit more difficult for us to understand, but we ought to have a perspective of grace. When you have conflict or when you have a disagreement with someone, have a posture of grace. We always want to make sure that we communicate to that person when we think what we think is right is right. We want to make sure that we communicate that, don't we? And sometimes in doing so, maybe if that other person has hurt you, maybe sometimes we're waiting for them, loaded, double-barreled, ready to go. Duke's up, ready to take on the fight. But Jesus had a tremendous amount of grace, and we should, we should too. Colossians is, again, the Apostle Paul speaking in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Do you know you're dearly loved if you're a Christ follower? Isn't that great? Dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And what? Forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do you see how in each of these passages he always goes back to the example of Jesus Christ? And he was gentle because he extended grace, and he forgave, and he loved, even when we weren't lovely. And we have a responsibility, if you're a Christ follower in here today, you have a responsibility to do the same for those you come into contact with. That's gentleness, isn't it? That's gentleness. I want to ask you a question. How different would your relationships be if you used these principles in your relationships? How different, those of you who are married in here, how different would your marriage be if you used these principles, if you had these types of things in your life, a, a, a position of humility, a perspective of acceptance, and a perspective, a perspective of grace? How different would your life be if you really lived by these principles, completely putting your needs and your wants and your desires aside for the other person that you're in contact with? You see, when we can do that, when we can put our agenda aside, and when we can extend those things to those people in our lives, yes, even those pe people who annoy us, then we become gentle people. There's a third principle this morning. The active ingredient of gentleness includes speaking to people with words. I want you to capture this. Speaking to people with words that convey kindness and love as opposed to words that are demanding and intimidating. Ouch. This is where this week, in preparation for this message, I got very convicted. I'm just going to be real honest with you. Because the words that we use are so incredibly powerful, aren't they? And we have the opportunity to use gentleness or to not use gentleness with the words that we speak more than anything else in our lives. See, everything we've talked about thus far has had to do with our life. It's had to do with our attitude. It's had to do with general uh, 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 being uh, gentle. But this specifically has to do with the words that we speak. The choice of words that we use, especially when we have conflict or some kind of confrontation. And Paul says in Philippians 4 or 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. Who does he say that our gentleness is for? Everyone. Everyone in our lives. Moms and dads towards your kids. Kids towards your moms and dads. 
And yeah, even your siblings that drive you crazy. Even that older brother that like only shows up when it's good for him to show up, okay? Even that spouse that's driving you crazy. Paul says we ought to show gentleness to all, and I think the best opportunity that we can have in our lives to do that is through the words that we choose when things are chaotic, when conflict arises. Last night, part of the reason my week is chaotic is because last night, at 9 o'clock at night, Cynthia walked into our master bedroom, and she stepped on the carpet, and the carpet was squishy, soaked with water. Now, we bought a house a few years ago, and we knew that the plumbing would need to uh, be replaced at some point in time, but we were hoping that it would be in the future. Well, the future came last night at 9 o'clock, and we had a plumber in our house till about midnight last night, and I was getting very upset, and I was getting angry, and it seems like our kids went to Atlanta with the grandparents. It seems like every time our kids are gone, something bad happens to us. We almost turned a trailer over back in June when we were driving it back uh, from Atlanta, and it seems like every time our kids are gone, stuff happens. But anyway, I was getting furious, and I walked around the corner, and we got what, you know, the bad news that we got, and Cynthia was sitting there, and she just quietly said, it's going to be all right. All happens for reason. Now, if you're married, you know in those tense situations that your words are either gasoline or they're water, aren't they? And in that moment, she just eased all of my frustration and anger by using words that put the fire out. And I got calm, and I remained calm, and we talked through some stuff. We have the opportunity to use words that either hurt or can help in any given situation. James talks about this in James 1, 19 and 20. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be, I want you to say it with me, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become, some of you know it, angry. Slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak. That's very hard for some of you, I realize. Slow to speak and slow to become angry angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The Greek sage Publius once quipped, I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. For some of you today, learning how to tame your tongue is you becoming a gentle person. Are you with me this morning? It's holding your tongue it's waiting until you calm down for you to say that thing which is going to help and not hurt. And I realize that some of you want to be right, but you know what? When you are right in those types of situations and you react in a way that's not right, you're never right. Are you with me this morning? You're just not. You can cause a lot of harm. So the bottom line this morning is, is that we know that gentleness is an active ingredient in our lives when, when we easily treat other people the way that we desire to be treated. That's it. That's the bottom line. And so I think the challenge for us this morning is in terms of living the sweet life of gentleness is this, is asking this question, how in this situation would I want to be treated? How would I want to be treated? Am I using words? Am I using body language? Am I using a posture of love and grace and kindness? Or am I ready to go to the mat? Now, I'm not saying that we give up on our principles. 
I'm not saying that we compromise what God has asked us to do, but what I'm saying is, is that if you're going to be a gentle person, it's getting to the point where you just stop in any given situation. You say, how would I want to be treated in this situation? There's a pastor. He's a pastor out in Texas. His name is Richard Dunnigan, and he tells this story. It's actually similar to a story that, that happened to us recently, and I think it ha- helps illustrate what happens when we're not gentle with those we love the most. He says this, talking about his kids. At their school carnival, our kids won four free goldfish. He says, lucky us. (laughs) So I went out Sunday morning to find an aquarium. The first few I priced ranged from $40 to $70. That's not the Dave Ramsey plan, by the way. Then I spotted it. Right in the aisle, a discarded 10-gallon tank complete with gravel and filter for a mere five bucks sold. Of course, it was nasty dirty, but the savings made the two-hour cleanup a breeze. (laughs) Those four new fish looked great in their new home, at least for the first day. But by Sunday, one had died. (laughs) Too bad, but three remained. Monday morning revealed a second casualty, and by Monday night, a third goldfish had gone belly up. We called in an expert, a member of our church, who has a 30-gallon tank, It didn't take them long to discover the problem. I had washed the tank with soap, an absolute (laughs) no-no. My uninformed efforts had destroyed the very lives of the ones that I was trying to protect. And he says, sometimes in our zeal to clean up our own lives or the lives of others, we unfortunately use killer soaps, condemnation, criticism, nagging, fits of temper. We think we're doing right, but our harsh harsh. Self-righteous treatment is more than they can bear. Let's ask God this morning to help us be people who are gentle, just like he was gentle with us. Father God, I pray that you would help us in this very difficult fruit of the Spirit, this one of gentleness. Father, help us as people, especially when conflict arises, especially when we think we are absolutely right, and maybe we are. Father God, help us to be people who are gentle. Help us first and foremost to look to you, God, in the way you dealt with people. God, you just being you, Jesus just being, Jesus demonstrated how gentle you are with us. And Father God, I pray that we would walk in that model, that we would follow your plan for this. Help marriages, help those who are in here today, and maybe their marriage is hanging by a thread. Maybe it's in the process of breaking up. Father God, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray that you would allow both of those parties to just come to the point where they're gentle with each other. And God, may restoration and reconciliation happen as a result. Father, I pray for those who are in here today and they're having conflict with brothers and sisters and maybe friends, maybe even friends who are here today and they're having conflict with. Father God, I pray that one would step forward with this aspect of gentleness and restoration and healing can begin. God, I pray for bosses and employees, for neighbors, for friends. God, I pray that we who are followers of you would follow in your footsteps, God, and we would realize how gentle you were with us and help us to have the courage and the commitment and the strength to be gentle with those around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.